Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! So, before I give you the title of my message today, um, let's turn to the main scripture for today. So today, I'm excited to be preaching from Judges, the book of Judges, and we'll be reading quite a a few verses. We'll be reading from chapter 6, verses 1 to 16, and then we'll be skipping a little bit and going to chapter 7, verses 1 to 15. So if you have your Bibles, uh, could you turn to the Scripture? But if you have your electronic Bibles, you can use that as well. If you don't have either, you can fix your eyes on the screen, and I will read from the screen as well. Amen. So, just a little bit background about this, uh, these few verses that I'm reading. It is about a man called Gideon. So, um, I think maybe I will start us off with just a little, bit, a little bit background of the book of Judges as well. So, the book of Judges is a very interesting book. So, the timeline of this book is between the death of Joshua... Joshua, the person who succeeded after Moses, and he brought the Israelites into the promised land. So this timeline is between the death of Joshua and the time where God anointed King Saul as the next king. So during this time, there was no king in Israel. It's only judges who um, actually led the, the Israelites. And even in the book of Judges, it talks about 12 judges, which signifies 12 tribes in Israel as well. So, uh, again, as if you have the time, if you've never read Judges before, I encourage you to read it. Uh, you can see a very obvious pattern uh, in this book. Essentially, it just tells us the story about the cycle of the Israelites, uh, how they continuously break the, their covenant with God, and then because of their disobedience towards God, then... They fall under the rule of other nations. The nations surrounding them um, conquer them and even oppress them. And God was not there uh, to just uh, protect them because His hand was against them because they first turned away from the Lord. And after that, after much oppression, then the people will be like, okay, this is too much. God, we, uh, we, we are sorry. We, we are very repentant. We come back to you now. So now can you save us? So then God raised individuals called judges to save them and to lead them into battle against their enemies. But after, uh, each after the passing of each judge, the Israelites fall back again into the cycle of uh, turning away from God, worshipping idols, and uh, the cycle essentially repeats uh, 12 times in the book of Judges because there are 12 judges. So that is the background. So then we'll be looking at the story of Gideon. Gideon is the fifth judge um, named in the book of Judges. And here we go. So... Verse 1, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Remember how I talked about how the Israelites disobeyed God, and now God allowed the Midianites to uh, conquer and oppress them. So because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. 
they camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. So whenever it's, it feels like the Israelites are starting to prosper, that the enemy comes to ruin everything again. So back to square one. You will never rise up, Israelites. Whenever you try to do something, we will uh, just destroy everything again. So that is their life. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So notice this pattern again. Because they are uh, suffering so much, they turn back to God and call to God for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, He sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But guess what? You have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord, so then this is, uh, then it skips over to this scene now. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son, Gideon, was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. Something interesting here, if you realize, he's threshing wheat in a winepress. Winepress is where they usually uh, crush grapes to ferment them into wine, but he's threshing wheat in a winepress because he needs to uh, be in an unexpected place so that the Midianites don't uh, come and just rob him of the uh, wheat of his effort again. So he's just hiding in a winepress, threshing wheat. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, "'The Lord is with you, mighty warrior.'" Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. It's funny when you see this because we know uh, what actually happened. They abandoned God first. That's why God abandoned them. So, verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, Well, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So, yeah. We'll be going more into that later, but let's go on to chapter 7 now. So, uh, we skip over to Gideon defeats the Midianites. So, verse 1, early in the morning, Jerubbaal, which is the name that the Israelites gave Gideon, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Uh, Maybe let's just look at one verse now, just to give us an idea of uh, the the size of Midian's army. I think it's uh, Judges 8.10. Do I have that verse? 
Now, Zeba and Zalmunna, these are the kings of Midian, were in Karkor with a force of about 15,000 men, all that were left of the armies of the eastern peoples. So notice this, 120,000 swordsmen had fallen. So 120 plus 15, that's... 135,000. So the size of the Midianites were 135,000. Now let's go back to uh, chapter 7. So then God came to Gideon and said, hmm, your army, it's too big. I need to make it smaller. So how big is Gideon's army actually? Let's see. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remain. So 22,000 plus 10,000, that's 32,000 against 135,000. God has a sense of humor. You have too many people. I need to reduce that. So essentially, it was in the, from the start, it was already five times less than the Midianites. So let's go on. But the Lord said to Gideon, ah, there's still too many men. I need to further reduce it. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the man down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as the dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cup tents, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. So the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that leapt, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So 300 versus 135,000. Nice. So, God, so Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. So I think uh, even as I continue to read on, God is very gracious. God knows that even though it doesn't really state that Gideon is fearful, but you know he's going to be very afraid with his measly-sized uh, army against 135,000. God was gracious enough to say, okay, Gideon, if you are afraid, I will give you a sign. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the, to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could, not, could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. So verse 15, When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. And the rest is history. All right. So, the title of my message for today is, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So, I think... Just reading through uh, this portion of Scripture of Judges, it really just tells me the first thing that I really notice is that Gideon 
Gideon feels inadequate. He feels like he's not good enough to lead uh, the army to just defeat the Midianites, to just obtain victory for his people. And I know we we didn't go through this part of uh, chapter 6, but actually in chapter 6, as he was speaking to the angel of the Lord, he didn't actually realize that it was God. He thought it was just a man. That's why he uh, said all these things like, okay, uh, the Lord is with us, but where's the Lord now? He abandoned us uh, after bringing us out of Egypt. And then he said, "Um, I'm not enough. I'm the weakest in my clan, and my clan is the weakest in the whole of Israel, so I'm not enough. But after that, uh, we go on and on. You can read that yourself. Uh, He then asked God uh, for a few signs before he actually went out to battle. And at one point, when he brought an offering to the angel of the Lord, it was burnt up, and he realized that the angel of the Lord was actually God. And he said, oh no, I'm going to die. I've seen the face of God. But God said, no, you're not going to die, but instead I'm sending you out to uh, just fight against the Midianites to obtain freedom. So that is the, essentially the story. So moving on to my first point for the day. My first point is sent. Remember he who sent you. So we talked about how essentially the Israelites, they think that God has abandoned them already. They feel all alone. They feel overwhelmed uh, with all the oppression that's happening. And you can see from uh, Gideon's uh, language, he's saying, yeah, God, uh, you brought us here, but you abandoned us. So what's the deal? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the key to this is we need to remember the uh, the first thing. God actually brought them out of Egypt into the promised land. So we need to remember that God is the one who actually opened the door, who actually allowed this to happen. And we know time and time again in His Word, He promises that He doesn't just send us forth, but He prepares the way before us. He goes with us and He will be with us. So the God we serve is not a God who will abandon us after throwing us into a new territory, uh, throwing us into a new area. So we can rest assured that God will be with us when we go forth into a new area. So the reason why I chose this uh, portion of Scripture is because the Lord was just speaking to me and He was saying, we always talk about what, uh, what we should do between the waiting, waiting and a breakthrough, but what about after the breakthrough? What about after we, get, uh, we finally get the thing that we want? What about after God has given um, the very thing that we've been praying for? What next? Is it all um, glamour and is it all uh, a happy ending? Is the grass really greener on the other side? So that's what I'm trying to get to. I think Jenny, uh, she was just talking about how she was praying and praying for uh, this independent prescribing course. And after when she got there, she realized, wait, I'm actually so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. My supervisor never has time for me. And I feel like I don't even know if I can succeed in this um, independent prescribing course. But you know how much she's been praying for and praying for for her independent prescribing course. You know what she went through. And I think the Lord just wants to remind us that even when we are there already, even when we are at the promised land, 
don't forget him. Don't forget the one who actually opened the door for you will prepare the way for you. So even as we looked at the scripture just now, I think we can really just um, use certain, word, certain things as uh, symbols to relate with our own lives as well. We can really see Egypt as the, the time before we actually obtain our breakthrough. And then the Midianite represents the problem that we are facing after we have entered the promised land. The promised land meaning our breakthrough. And Gideon represents us. So, some of us feel this way. God answered our prayers. He gave us our breakthrough. We finally made it. And then, when we step into this new territory, we suddenly realize, wait, I've been praying for this but why is this not what I envision? Why is this not the same as what I've always uh, been dreaming of? For example, uh, just using myself as an example, like just me praying for this hospital job, always wanting to um, go into the hospital sector. But now that I'm here, I realize that there's actually a lot of um, different challenges that I'm facing in the hospital that sometimes uh, thoughts like, maybe I made the wrong choice. Why am I even here in the first place? Now, instead of just working a 9-to-5 job, I have to juggle my studies and working a 9-to-5 job. So, have I really made the right choice? Sometimes I think uh, this way to myself. And maybe some of you, some of you, you are uh, already uh, at the place where you want to be, but the place where you want to be is not really uh, the, what you expected. It's not meeting your expectations. So, really, one thing I just want to remind us and really to encourage us is don't forget who sent you here in the first place. Who opened the door for you? God answered your prayers. God has not abandoned you. Maybe, maybe uh, you're thinking, okay, I'm experiencing so much setbacks now. Maybe the decision I made in the first place was not the right decision. So how can we know if the decision we made in the first place is right? Because now that we're experiencing so much problems. So one thing I wrote here, and it's something that God has revealed to me, is that when a particular decision actually leads you to a, pl to a place where you are forced to depend more on God, most likely that it is the right choice. Maybe sometimes you've made a bad choice, a bad decision, and it leads you to a place full of problems. Maybe. But then, in that new place, you learn to depend more on God. So is that really a bad thing, depending more on God? So just an encouragement for us. If we are in a place and we start to doubt our decision in the beginning, Examine your life. Are you depending more on God? If you are depending more on God, you are in the right place. It can feel very uncomfortable. It can feel like labor pains or just different, um, different kinds of discomfort. But if you are actually uh, intentionally depending more on God, you are on the right path. You are on the right track. So can I just encourage you? Let's look at a, let's look at a couple verses. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. 
do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And even in Deuteronomy 1, 29 to 30, then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God, who is going before you, will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. I love this verse because God not only says, I will go before you, but I will fight for you. A lot of times we think that we are the ones doing all the fighting, but God is the one doing all the fighting. We are just there as vessels. We are, God only needs our obedience and He will do the rest. Something uh, I actually caught just uh, this morning, which is very interesting. So you know how we mentioned that God thinned the... Gideon's army, sorry, Gideon's army from uh, about 32,000 to 300. I actually did the math, and God actually thinned his army by 99%. So he only left the 1%. Could it be that uh, God is trying to really say, the 1% is you, but the 99% is me? The 1% is your obedience, and the 99% is me. So, you know, I can even go as far to say that God didn't even need the 300. He could do it if it was just Gideon alone. But maybe uh, for Gideon's sake, he gave him the 300. Because if it was just Gideon, you know, Gideon would just run away probably. So yeah, when you feel inadequate and the challenges seem to be towering and closing in on you, just remember how powerless Gideon felt when he was called by the Lord to lead an army against the Midianites to free his people from his oppressors. Gideon was not like, yeah, God, I'm ready, send me. No, he, he asked for so many signs. He even uh, just sort of argued with the angel of the Lord and said, yeah, you are sending me, but I'm not enough. I'm the weakest. And um, you said you are sending me, but you abandoned us uh, you, you abandoned us before. So all these things Gideon was telling the angel of the Lord. So, Judges 6, 14, if we can look at that again. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? God is trying to tell you, Am I not op have I not opened the door for you? Have I not brought you to this place? Why are you afraid now? Why are you being over? Uh, why, uh, why are you feeling overwhelmed by your challenges? Remember that God was the one who opened the door. And if you remember that, you will know that He will see through uh, you even as you are uh, in the midst of your struggles now. And I like, to, I like how the Bible even says, go in the strength that you have rather than saying, go in the strength that I have given you. So go in the strength that you already have, and I will top up the rest. I will fight for you, and I will prepare the way before you. The only thing you need to do is trust me and just go. So this is what the Lord is saying. God doesn't just send us into something without providing the means for us to handle and overcome the challenges ahead. He doesn't just call us to something without uh, knowing our abilities, without knowing what we can do. So if God has called us to something, you know 100% that you can do it. So, moving on to the second point sustains. Remember that He who sent you will sustain you. 
So can I be honest with you guys? Just because God gave you this opportunity, maybe it could be a job, maybe it could be this university, this prestigious university that you finally made it to, or maybe this season in your life where he's relocated you, I don't know, to the UK or another country. Just because it's been, it's been your dream, it's been something that you're praying about and God finally gave it to you, doesn't mean that the path ahead will be problem-free. And that is a fact. In fact, God sometimes allows setbacks and problems to happen in our lives because He wants to remind us that it is not us, it is Him. Sometimes some of us, we may need just a little push, um, a little reminder to say that you're living your lives too comfortably, you're forgetting about me. Am I still in the equation? So then God will allow certain things to happen in your life, certain problems to happen in your life to say, hey, I'm still here, you need to depend on me. It is not you, it, is, it was never you in the beginning, just because it feels like you can take on anything, just because you, it feels like you're on top of the world doesn't mean that it was you in the first place. It has always been me, so remember that. Psalms 55 verse 22 says, Cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. So the Lord is our source. He sustains us. We don't sustain ourselves. So because uh, with the knowledge that God sustains us, we can really cast our cares and our worries at His feet. Amen? Let's even look at another verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 to 10. Here Paul says, He said to me, so Jesus said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, Here's, here's what he's saying. I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Just a little bit context uh, about this verse. So Paul was saying that he has a thorn in his flesh and he's been praying to God, praying to God to remove it. But then uh, Jesus said, no, like a firm no, I'm not going to remove it. So then this is the conclusion, this is the realization that Paul came to. Because of my weakness, I'm made strong. What I'm trying to get to, friends, hardships may not be that bad. It can feel comfortable. It can feel like you're not able to manage life, essentially. But... If we look at hardships as a way for us to really turn back to God, to really depend on Him again, to really come to that place where we can really say, God, it's not me, it is you. So would you help me? Would you uh, get me out of this situation? I trust in you. So even with every hardship, every challenge that we face, it's not easy, but maybe... Just maybe we can delight in the fact that God is with us. His grace is enough for us. He will never leave us. 
Yeah, I think just reading that verse, even for me, it feels, it feels very unattainable because it's very easy to say delight in hardships, delight in pain, but when you're actually in it, you know it's difficult. You know just getting down on your knees just to pray to God is so difficult because you know you still have to face these problems the next day. A lot of times when we pray to God and asking for God to just deliver us, He doesn't do it. Uh, he, most of the time, He doesn't do it instantaneously. So the next day, we still have to face this problem the day after. And it, it doesn't help that we don't know when this will end as well. So really... Just an encouragement to you, friends. Just, I know it's not easy, but trust God in the process. Even, as, even if you don't know what God is doing in the process, just trust that He's doing it, doing something amazing for you. Why, why do I say that? So, as we read in chapter 7, you know how Gideon is this kind of figure who's, who thinks he's weak, He's not able to do anything. But what did the Midianites think of Gideon? The Midianites thought that Gideon was uh, someone who's so powerful and even from uh, the dream of the roll of barley bread, they associated it to Gideon's sword. So you know the Midianites are afraid of Gideon. But what Gideon is feeling is the complete opposite. If only Gideon knew what the Midianites thought of Gideon, do you think Gideon could have reacted um, another way? So maybe this applies for us as well. We are in the middle of our hardships, we are in the middle of our problems, and we feel like we can't, we can't overcome it. But God is doing something, stirring something within the enemy's camp, and just instilling words into the enemy saying, Gideon is someone you should be afraid of. Yeah. And just for visualization, maybe Toby, you can show the picture of a loaf of barley bread. So this was, this was in the dream, in their dream. They were, this was tumbling down and crushing the Midianites camp. You know, I was just looking at this. I was just thinking, you know, God actually didn't need 300 men. He could use this to just defeat the Midianites. Yeah. Yeah, so again, let's remember that the God who sent us will sustain us, but at the same time, we need to remember that He still needs something from us. He still needs us to be obedient. He still needs us to go forward. He, we can't expect God to deliver us if we're not going to do anything about our situation as well. We still need to trust God in the process. Maybe I can just um, share a quick story about my experiences. So... I think most of you know I'm working in a hospital for Imperial College Healthcare Trust and just getting this job was not an easy route so I had to wait two years and even in the waiting just different job applications were not um, going through. I've experienced rejection after rejection and for me hospital pharmacy was like the promised land. 
it felt like once I'm there, everything is good. I can finally leave retail pharmacy. I can finally leave uh, Boots and you know what. <laughs> so that has been my prayer for the last few years. And I finally got it. So I finally got it. I was over the moon. I felt that everything was sorted out for me. My life was sorted out. And I feel like oh, my, career, uh, my career will only be going upwards from now, from here on. But going into hospital pharmacy, the truth is the grass was not green. <laughs> In fact, I think I'm working there for six months now. It feels like there are times where it feels like I want to quit. <laughs> and I think the fact that I had to juggle between my studies and my work did not make it easy. Even during my three weeks break in Malaysia, I actually spent a huge portion of my time doing my assignments. So um, my holiday didn't feel like a holiday. And just like uh, two weeks ago, I just had assessments after assessments and um, it was a busy time for me. And just hospital pharmacy itself was not easy as well because it feels like my knowledge is zero, it's nothing compared to the people around me because I had to transition from uh, another sector, a different sector. So it took me a long time to really uh, get, to, uh, get to where my other colleagues are and it took a lot of self-learning uh, as well. And automatically I would feel like, yeah, I can't even do this, I can't even do that. What, what are my colleagues thinking of me? Like, they must think that I'm just, I'm so slow at my job, I'm not good at my job. Just different things uh, went through my mind, like, yeah, I'm not sure uh, if I can do this, I'm not sure if I'm good enough, I feel inadequate. So, as I mentioned during this, uh, I've had a couple of assessments uh, a couple of weeks ago, and in one of the assessments, actually, I had to uh, email, I think, at least 10 people to get their uh, feedback about myself. So, it's just something that my diploma required. So, basically, they graded me based on the different aspects on how I perform, and I had to grade myself as well. I had to uh, just put different numbers on uh, the different aspects, and after that, uh, UCL will compile it and compare side by side my score versus my, ass uh, my assessors or my colleagues' scores, just to see. Um, I guess the, the purpose of them doing this is just to see what, my, what they think of me versus what I think of myself. So. Um, Obviously, I just did it. Um, I just did it like I didn't really think too much about it because I knew that I wouldn't get a good score from them anyway. So I just did it just for the sake of the diploma because if I don't do it, then I'm not meeting a requirement. But to my surprise, um, yeah. Oh, you didn't put it in one slide? Okay, it's fine. <laughs> um, to the left, it's me. To the right, it's them. So, I thought I was being generous already, lots of force. Five is the max, actually. So I was being, look, I was being very generous. I was like, yeah, I think I'm a four, I think I'm a four. But then, oh, the, these, uh, this is the average of 10 assessors. So, they gave me this. I was pleasantly surprised. So, move on. So, then, 
44442. That, that was me. Because you don't want to give yourself five because you always want some room for improvement. So then my assessors gave me five and four. I was like, wait, is this rigged or something? So then the next slide, and look at that. So you can see the, um, I'm not trying to boast or brag or anything, but you can see a pattern here that whatever I ranked myself what, and whatever the assessors gave me, it was, the, assess, the assessors never gave me something lower. They gave me either the same or higher, like every single score as you can see. So I'm just here to encourage all of you. You think you may be in a very deep um, mess. You think you may be overwhelmed. But know that God is working something behind the scene in your lives. You wouldn't know this, just like how Gideon wouldn't know it. If you knew it, where is the faith element in it? So if, God, if you know that God is working something in your life, rest on that fact. You don't need to know the details, just rest on the fact that God is working something in your life, even though you feel inadequate or overwhelmed. And my third point, my last point, seek. Remember, he who sent you will sustain you, so seek him always. So, I think when it comes to seeking the Lord, nobody needs to tell us when we are experiencing hardships, we will automatically seek the Lord. Like, a lot of times, even when, uh, even a non-believer, say for example, when they experience hardships, They'll suddenly pray to different gods, pray to all the gods that they may have heard of just to um, get them out of this situation. So it is, it's quite second nature for us to pray to God whenever we are experiencing hardships. But what about when, I, when we are experiencing our highs? What about when we have finally entered the promised land, attained success? Don't forget the Lord. This is what... This is the lesson that we can actually derive from the verses that we've read about Gideon as well. To break the cycle, don't forget the Lord. But what did they do? Time and time again, they just forgot about the Lord. And looking at hindsight, we think, why, why are they so dumb? If only they uh, learned to uh, love the Lord and not forget them, then none of these would happen. But let's not be so quick to judge because at the, uh, when we are in their shoes, we might do the same as well. And we even have to examine ourselves. Are we actually doing the same now? When we reach our mountaintop, oh, uh, I didn't know there was a God. Then when we uh, go down to our valley lows, then we suddenly turn to God and come to church uh, religiously. And then when we go back to our mountaintop, oh, I can go to brunch on Sunday now. So, yeah. Throughout the book of Judges, we see a pattern time and time again. The Israelites, they prostituted themselves to other gods, and they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Because they have forsaken the Lord, the Lord turned His face away from the Israelites and allowed the surrounding nations to conquer and oppress them. Then, as we've talked about, the Israelites, in their suffering, they would turn back to God again. So let's not... Um, let's not allow this cycle to happen in our lives as well. Let's be the one to break it. No matter we are, uh, we are at our highest or we are at our lowest, let's not forget the Lord. Let's continue to depend on God. 
because if we remember that God is the one who sustains us in the first place, we know that even though we feel like we can do everything, we can do nothing without Him. Maybe we, maybe we can look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10 to 14. When you have, so this is Moses just reminding the new generation before they enter the promised land about God's law and about not forgetting the Lord. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws, and His decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So you can see that Moses had already reminded them, but yet what did they do? They just forgot and forgot and forgot and the cycle just repeats itself. Remember that all good things comes from the Lord. So remember to seek Him, not just in your tough times, but especially, especially when you are enjoying the fruits of your success. And maybe even just an encouragement for us here as well. Sometimes, not all the time, sometimes the problems that we face is because God is trying to use it to remind us to turn back to Him again. So let's re-examine our lives. Let's look at our lives and let's ask ourselves honestly, are we really depending on God? Or are we just living our lives, just uh, doing our routine, depending on our own strength, depending on ourselves? Maybe the next time you experience a problem, that's the first thing that you can ask yourself. Am I depending on God or... Am I not depending on God? Maybe just before I close, I can share just a short testimony. It's not really a testimony because there's no good ending to it, but it's just a testimony that I wanted to uh, share uh, to all of us. So I think it was two weeks ago, um, I was... Having, I was experiencing a very uh, busy week, and I've got a lot of things that I, uh, on my plate, like presentation, assessment, different things, uh, but I will not go into detail. And that week was prayer service week as well. It was a Tuesday um, prayer service. So I think a huge part of me didn't want to go to prayer service because I knew that if I went, I would definitely not have time to finish my presentation. And I was really wrestling with God. I was really struggling. And then um, I, thought, I thought I could get away with it. <laughs> but then Sam messaged me and said, Oh, Sun Tao, do you want to lead worship for prayer service? I'm like, Sam, let me get back to you on that. I, I don't know if I can make it for prayer service, but I didn't go to details with him. I just told him that. So in my mind, I was like, yeah, I'm probably not going to prayer service. It's the wise thing to do. Like, some, like God gave us wisdom to think as well. Like, sometimes we can honor God, but sometimes we need to use our head 
and uh, think how, uh, how, much, how much we have to do. So that was my uh, thinking. And I just sought the Lord. I just asked Him, should I go to prayer service or not? Like just that simple question. And the Lord, in His grace, told me, I think you should. Not because it's not because like you're a leader, you have to go to prayer service, or not because Sam asked you to worship lead and you need to go to prayer service. But this act of going to prayer service, it means you are taking away your safety net. You are completely depending on me. It's not about prayer service, God reminded me. It's about this act of prioritizing Him and just telling Him, I am completely surrendering to you. Like, no backup plans, nothing. If, this, if you fail, then I will fail. So God told me that because I had another thought in my mind. Yeah, I could still attend prayer service. I could attend online prayer service. I could anchor online prayer service as well just to show how, how, how good of a servant I am to God. <laughs> That's why I told God. And God said, no, not good enough. Go to, go to physical prayer. If you go to online prayer, it means you, has, you still have a safety net. You still have a backup plan. But I want you to go to physical prayer because I know you have no backup plan then. You have, you have no choice but to depend on me. So I'm like, with a lot of trembling and fear, I went to prayer service. And guess the outcome. Did I ace my presentation? No, I didn't. Did I even do my presentation? No, I didn't. I had, I had to delay my presentation because I didn't have time. But I think I, I wanted to take some leave just to get my presentation done on Wednesday for Thursday. So I asked my supervisor and she said, yeah, but why do you want to do this? Why don't you just delay your presentation rather than rushing it? And I'm like, can you do that? And she said, yeah, you can. Just ask the people who will be uh, sitting in on your presentation. So I asked them, they were happy, and it got delayed. So it's now this coming week. But why, why I'm trying to uh, share this um, testimony, um, it's just to really encourage us. It's going to be difficult, but when we make the right choice to please God and to depend on Him, we experienced this unexplainable joy. I exp for, you know, that week after I made that choice, I just felt like so pleased. I just felt so happy. There was no reason. Like, I knew that I had pleased God. I knew I had made the right choice. And uh, I basically didn't think too much about my presentation anymore. I was like, oh, I pleased God. I'm so happy I made the right choice. And it, God just dropped this thought in my head and said, this is what it means to have the joy of the Lord even in your hardships. Because we know that joy is an emotion, it's happiness, but joy of the Lord can happen in hardships as well. Just like what Nehemiah 8.10 says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So yeah. So maybe I can invite the worship team up now, even as I close. You know, I really love, there's one line in the song that we sang, the third song. I really love it. It says, I'll count the joy come every battle because I know that's where you'll be. So in every battle, I will remember 
that my joy is in you, Lord. It's not derived from the outcome of my situation, but it is derived from you. So, even right now, maybe I can just pray for a few groups of people. The first group of people, I would like to pray, even as you are, you think you are in your promised land now, you think you are experiencing the best time of your life, I want to pray for you that in your success, you will still remember your provider. Remember that the Lord is the one who brought you to this place. And even the second group of people that I want to pray for is people who are also in your promised land, but you are experiencing hardships you're starting to doubt whether this was the right decision in the first place. You feel that you might have made the wrong choice and you just want to get out. You're praying to God, God, uh, can, you rem- can you just maybe help me to find another job or maybe just help me to get out of this situation, get out of this uh, place because I thought it was the best thing for me, but now I realize it's not the best thing for me. I want to pray for this group of people to not lose hope and to really just trust God in the process. And the third group of people that I want to pray for is just people to begin to really hold on to the joy of the Lord. People to really begin to experience what it feels like to have God's joy in hard times. So maybe... I can invite all of us to stand and just raise your hands if this applies to you. Hallelujah. Father, you see every hands that are lifted, you see every heart, every heart that is open. Lord, we just want to come before you and we just want to first of all start by acknowledging that you are our provider. It's not us, but it is you. It is through you that we are here right now. It is through you that we can do all the things that we've been doing in our lives. So Lord, right now, I just want to pray, oh Father, that you will just begin to remind us again, oh Father, that you are uh, Lord. We are not Lord over our lives, but you are Lord over our lives. Help us, oh Father, to just uh, come back to that place of complete dependence on you. Lord, if we, if we have been depending on ourselves to uh, get us out of our situation, Lord, we just want to say sorry, Lord. Lord, we are sorry and we want to come back to that place where we're just completely depending on you. Lord, whenever we are uh, at a crossroad, whenever we are at a place where we need to make a decision uh, between uh, trusting in you and going with your plan or going with our plan and uh, maybe just be, um, going with our plan because it is the wise thing to do. Lord, I pray you give us the boldness, you give us the courage to follow your plan, Lord. Lord, it is not easy. It, it is probably the hardest thing to do. It is against all logic, but Lord, would you help us, O oh Father? Would you give us the boldness and the peace to do that, Lord? Because Lord, we just want to leave, live to please you. And Lord, even uh, for some of us here, if we are experiencing a difficult time, maybe at work, at university, or even wherever that we're at, 
Lord, I just want to pray, O oh Father, for your peace to begin to just rest on us, O oh Father. Lord, even in the midst of our wrestling with you and our problems, would you, O oh Father, to begin to intervene and just send a word that will comfort us, that will give us the peace that we need, O oh Father, Lord. Lord, we believe that you are already doing something behind the scenes. We believe that you are doing something new even though we don't know uh, what the outcome is. We just want to say that we believe, O oh Father. Would you help us with our unbelief, Lord? So Lord, I just want to pray, O oh Father, just for more of you. And Lord, even, even where we are at, I just want to pray for everyone, O oh Father, that you will teach us, Lord. You will help us to experience the joy of the Lord, O oh Father. The joy that sustains us, not only during um, good times, but especially during bad times. Would you teach us how to really experience and hold on to that joy, O oh Father, Lord. Lord, it doesn't make sense for us to be happy when we are experiencing hardships, but Lord, would you teach us, O oh Father, to truly be uh, satisfied in you, O oh Father. Lord, we just want to acknowledge that satisfaction comes from you. So would you help us to look to you, Jesus? Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.